to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Lamb. Great games, great moments come alive. Remember this classic NFL on NBC opening theme music from the 1980s? Oh, man, I loved it. And I figured it's perfect for the most incredible NFL playoff weekend in history. And we got a pure NFL show coming up. As always, thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me to discuss it all is an old friend. I've known him for three decades, and I've liked him for at least two of those decades. <laughs> Andy Rio is a veteran NFL and fantasy football writer. I love this guy. Nobody I know has more NFL knowledge. It's been too long since we've done one of these, Andy. Yeah, it has been a while. It's good to be back. Hey, I definitely want to ask you about the NFL playoff weekend. There's so much to talk about, but figured while I had you here, I'd ask you if you maybe thought this was interesting. The early favorite in the NFL Texans coaching search is 39-year-old Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon. According to Texans reporter Aaron Wilson, he made an extremely strong impression with league sources saying Gannon, quote, knocked it out of the park in interviews with them, the Broncos, and the Vikings. He was very well prepared. And Andy, he had only one season as a coordinator, but he's been around and coached under Frank Reich with the Colts, Zimmer with the Vikes, Mike Munchak with the Texans, or the Titans, I should say. Uh, Easy mistake to make there, but Mike Munchak as well. Uh, Did you see improvement with the Eagles with him as defensive coordinator? Well, yes, down the stretch, uh, the defense certainly uh, played a role in, um, you know, Philadelphia's uh, somewhat improbable to some people run uh, to the playoffs, obviously earning a wild card berth. The Eagles certainly improved down the stretch. Uh, He did work, of course, previously. Another guy he worked under was uh, Matt Eberflus. He was a defensive backs coach for three years for the Colts. And Matt Eberflus is also somebody that has received head coaching interest. So, uh, he seems like a, a promising candidate. I know that the Broncos and Vikings have also talked to him. So this isn't some out of nowhere zany Texans move that they're often prone to make. You never know with these coordinators, obviously, that become coaches for the first time. But he seems like he has some promise. However, I do think it's interesting, given how well San Francisco's defense played on a bitterly cold night in Green Bay that, um, and obviously with his ties and popularity here, the Texans certainly could use somebody that the fan base uh, would be happy about. And, uh, you know, I think D'Amico Ryan should be in the mix for the Texans opening. But as far as Gannon goes, I mean, there is some promise there. Yes, I, I think there would be. Yeah, and he's a much better candidate than Josh McCown, who has never coached in college or in the NFL in his life, not even as an assistant. From what I understand, McCown helped pick the Texans coaching staff last year, who's still mostly in place. We've heard McCown could be in the mix. I mean, this is the second year in a row that they've interviewed Josh McCown. Andy, I'm scared to death that McCown could still be the move. At least Gannon wouldn't make them look like a laughingstock of an NFL franchise, which is where they've been the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Josh McCown was always well-regarded as a player and a locker room guy and everything like that. I mean, he wasn't a great quarterback by any means, but I think he's one of those guys that really did a lot to support the coaching staff and whoever was the starting quarterback that he was the backup for. But uh, yeah, you you would really be taking another credibility hit, I think, if you hire him 
with as little experience as he has overall. Gannon would not be a credibility hit. Maybe there could be a better hire, of course, but uh, I think Josh McCown, yeah, that would fall under the category of zany stuff the Texans do. Yeah, we know that. Uh, let's get into an incredible set of weekend playoff games. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this because uh, I'm tired of talking about the crummy old Texans and all four games in this one, in this whole weekend, were one on the final play. Just unreal. We'll start with Joe Burrow's Bengals knocking out the Titans, the Bengals with a clear playoff path without their nemesis, the Texans, in the way. What did you make of this one, Andy? Well, it was an off day for Ryan Tannehill, and I think everything was setting up for Tennessee to win this game. They were at home. Derrick Henry was back. The Bengals, you know, struggled a bit with the Raiders. I mean, they never really lost control of that game, or they never really put them away. And, you know, this is obviously still new territory for Cincinnati, but they're clearly playing with house money at this point. The other story uh, for the Bengals, I I mean, what a phenomenal draft pick Evan McPherson has been. Uh, Of course, the Bengals nailed their first round pick with Jamar Chase. We all know that. But McPherson right now uh, looks like the best kicker to hit the NFL since Justin Tucker. I mean, he was so clutch. Uh, He's so capable of hitting those 50-yard field goals. Uh, special teams, as we've saw in more than one game this weekend, certainly makes a difference, but they've got a real gem there. That was the first Bengals playoff road win in their history, which leaves this the Texans as the only NFL team who's never won a road playoff game. The last time any Houston NFL team, any Houston NFL team won a road playoff game was the 88 Oilers. They beat the Browns at the old mistake by the lake. Andy, you might be one of the few people outside of Cleveland who would know the trivia question that I'm going to give you. Who was the Cleveland Browns quarterback for that game? It sounds like an easy answer for everybody listening on their podcast apps right now, but it's not. (laughs) No, because the quarterback that uh, would have started for Cleveland that day would be most famous for his long tenure in Miami. That would be Don Strzok. Wrong. Mike Pagel. Mike Pagel started that game? Don Strzok was the guy that took the uh, the week before the Browns had to beat the Oilers to uh, make the playoffs, and Don Strzok led this improbable come-from-behind victory in the snow. I couldn't believe this. I-, I looked it up, and I had forgotten, and obviously you forgot. Pagel was a respectable 17 for 25 in this one. Two touchdowns, one interception. Warren Moon actually threw three interceptions in that game. I- Mike Pagel... Just uh, that, that's a question that you can take to your friends. It, it's really, really tough question. <laughs> well, Mike, Mike Pagel uh, had a decent career. He wasn't uh, a highly touted draft pick by Baltimore back in 1982, but he certainly was better than the quarterback than they picked in the first round that year would be, of course, Arch Schleister. <laughs> yeah, Arch Schleister had some issues. Uh, well, let's move to the late Saturday game, a battle of two old Texans assistant coaches, Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers and the Packers, just a Lambeau cold and snow classic defensive battle. I mean, this is straight out of Vince Lombardi era, you know, Packers lore, another last second field goal. Oh, and how about that D'Amico Ryan's defense? Andy, you mentioned it earlier, the beloved Texan doing a hell of a job. Yes, he really is. I mean, when you can put the clamps on uh, Aaron Rodgers and company like that, very impressive, especially after the the Packers went down the field and 
you know, looked like they were going to blow the Niners out early on. But uh, one thing about San Francisco, they are a very resourceful team. They're a very down-to-earth team, I guess, because a lot of their philosophy centers on the running game in this modern passing era, but it certainly works for them. And again, the special teams coming up incredibly clutch for San Francisco, blocking that field goal at the end of the first half, getting some momentum, you know, going for them after it looked like the Packers were going to go in for sure after that long Aaron Jones reception. And then of course, obviously late in the game with a block punt. I mean, that completely changed everything, but it was just shocking to me that Green Bay couldn't do that much on offense, and that's definitely a tribute to D'Amico and that 49ers defense. And give all the credit in the world to Kyle Shanahan uh, because he's found a very unique way uh, to utilize uh, Debo Samuel, who is just such a valuable chess piece in so many ways. And, you know, also give them credit because, I mean, usually guys – always want to play the higher draft picks. They drafted Trey Sermon in the third round, and he's been non-existent because Elijah Mitchell, who they took in the sixth round, has been so good. And this would not be the first time that a Shanahan family member has uncovered a good running back in the sixth round. Obviously, uh, Mike Shanahan and company drafting Terrell Davis, a Hall of Famer with Denver. And uh, when Mike Shanahan was with uh, Washington in uh, the last decade, they got a decent running back, not an all-time great, and Alfred Morris in the sixth round. I'm guessing you have no better idea than any of the rest of us, but if you were going to lean away, which way do you, would you lean as far as Aaron Rodgers coming back with the Packers next year? Well, I think there's going to have to be a lot of cap juggling in Green Bay because they are way over the salary cap right now. Uh, certainly, they have a nucleus of a good team, but you know, I don't know. I mean, it's got to frustrate him to come up short. It would be hard to pinpoint another destination. It's not hard, I guess, to pinpoint a destination for him. But I mean, if he was to go somewhere like Denver, then he's going to have to contend with all those AFC quarterbacks. I mean, you'd have to play four games against Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. You got Josh Allen in that conference. You got Lamar Jackson in that conference. You got Joe Burrow in that conference. I mean, it's just a absolute maze at this point i think there's a decent chance they'll find a way for him to come back because again if he goes some unless he can stay in the nfc but if he goes to the afc it's going to be awfully hard to get back to the super bowl because there's just too many good quarterbacks to contend with do you think we should give aaron Rodgers credit for taking the packers maybe more than or further than they've should have gone in the last few years or is he going to get nicked because he's only got the one Super Bowl to this point and you know you look at the greats and usually they've got a couple by the end of their career I mean if he doesn't get another one how has he looked at well I think you also have to go back there's some instances where it's probably he didn't do enough and then there's some instances where he did plenty because obviously you can't blame him for the defensive meltdown that Green Bay had back in the 2014 championship game when they uh, lost to Seattle. And you can't blame him for last year's NFC championship game when the defense gives up a long throw from Brady, I believe it was to Scotty Miller, uh, where basically Scotty Miller was pretty much uncovered down the field. So some instances I definitely think he should not get any blame for. I think last night was not one of his better games. I say Saturday night, we were recording this on Sunday. So I, I think in some cases, yes, he could have done more. In other cases, I think, you know, it's a team game and 
his teammates didn't do enough. Yeah, so we let's go to the third game of the weekend, which was just crazy. One of the quick, crazier ones you'll you'll see until the fourth game. But the last quarter and a half looked like a perfect summation of the entire careers of Matt Stafford and Tom Brady. One guy has no luck, and the other has all the luck. But when the Bucks scored in the final minute. I was ready to bet my life and the life of my entire family that the game was going to overtime. Tampa would win the toss and Andy Brady would take them for a touchdown on the first possession. It just seemed like that's what happens in Tom Brady's life. Well, I mean, yeah, that was a surprise after Tampa Bay scored. I mean, I, I kind of thought Tampa was in a little bit of a bad spot there because I thought you know, and, and it was a bang-bang type of play that Cameron Brayton had gotten the first down. So they were forced into a fourth down situation. And when you're trailing, you can't, you know, take a knee and plan to kick a field goal. I should say if you're trailing by that deficit, I mean, if it was just a one-point deficit, they could have done that. So Fournette basically had to get into the end zone, and that left them too much time. Uh, after that first play, when Stafford fumbled the ball on a bad scramble and lost a yard, I thought, yeah, overtime coming. But Tampa Bay obviously decided it wasn't important enough to cover one of the best wide receivers in the league in Cooper Cup. So that's where we're at. That's why the Rams are going to the NFC Championship game. You just said it. I was going to ask you what you thought of that zero blitz from Tampa when the Rams had 28 seconds and were out of timeouts. Just abysmal play calling. And and going back to special teams, I mean, it really didn't help Tampa that they also somehow inexplicably kicked the ball out of bounds on two kickoffs. I mean, how often does that happen, let alone uh, twice in one game? Tampa was off, obviously. I mean, uh, you know, Brady did what he could. But, I mean, you know, the loss of Chris Godwin has you know, really hurt Tampa's passing game. They didn't have some other players who at least have had some experience like Prashad Perryman. But, you know, you have to give credit to the Rams. I mean, they basically were in total position to give the game away, and somehow they found a way to win it. If you're a Lions fan, you just got to be sick that you had Matt Stafford all those years and the Rams get him the first year and they're in the conference championship game. That's just, that's, it, it hurts your hurts your stomach a little bit. I'm sure. Well, yeah, but I mean, talk about an organization that, you know, for years is just basically, I mean, their track record speaks for itself. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a little more promise now. I mean, towards the end of the season, as opposed to some of the other bad teams, they were still battling hard and all that. Maybe Dan Campbell is getting them, you know, on the right track, but I mean, there's a reason that they haven't won a playoff game in a long time. There's a reason they haven't won a championship since the fifties. I mean, it's just a chronically bad organization. All right, let's get uh, a couple of quick factoids out there uh, before we get to the final game. Number one, the Rams are the first team to win a playoff game after losing four or more fumbles since the 1975 Steelers in the AFC championship against John Madden's Oakland Raiders. And the second factoid, this will be the first time, Andy, since 2009 that neither Tom Brady nor Aaron Rodgers will be in a conference championship game. Unreal. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you know, uh, most people, if you were rating the quarterbacks going into this weekend, probably would have rated Jimmy Garoppolo the worst quarterback, but yet he is still standing. 
Okay, let's get to the cherry on the chocolate Sunday. We've waited too long for this one. It was this ridiculous Chiefs-Bills instant overtime classic. Andy, you had three lead changes and a last-second game-tying field goal in the last two minutes. I don't even know where to start. Uh, just, Just wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, definitely one of the all-time greatest games in NFL history. Um, I don't think anybody would argue that. I mean, uh, it was relatively close throughout as opposed to the Tampa Rams game, which got crazy in the fourth quarter, but until then was basically all Rams. You know, I I think Buffalo will probably look back and regret kicking deep uh, on that kickoff. Had they squibbed it, they would have drained some time off the clock. I mean, I had... A good friend of mine was basically texting me after the Buffalo touchdown when 13 seconds were left saying it's over. And I said, no. And basically, anytime you have Patrick Mahomes on the field, you have a chance to win in that type of situation. And I pretty much knew when Buffalo lost the coin toss that they were losing the game. Anything else that you can really nitpick about the Bills coaching late in that game. I mean, it's just, it's back and forth. I mean, you can't ask more of what these two teams did offensively. It's just the little things maybe you could have changed defensively, but it's hard to blame anybody in this one. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I, I think there were a lot of times in the game. I mean, we talk about how great of a runner Josh Allen is. And, you know, there were a lot of times Patrick Mahomes was about to be sacked and managed to escape and, and those types of plays. You can't give him second chances. He's just too good. And there were a lot of second chances. There was, you know, the defense obviously was not good on the long catch that Tyreek Hill took to the end zone. It was terrible with, you know, the 13 seconds left and everything like that. I mean, one of the guys who's gotten some interviews, and I like this guy because, you know, we were living in Chicago when the Bears won it all in 85, Leslie Frazier, and he's been you know, getting a nod for head coaching vacancies. But I his candidacy definitely, to me, would take a serious hit after this game. Only four penalties in the whole game. Zero turnovers. Both quarterbacks practically perfect. I think it was like seven touchdowns along with no interceptions between the two guys. Lost in the shuffle, Gabriel Davis. Eight catches, 201 yards, and four touchdowns. Let me repeat that. Eight catches, 201 yards, and four touchdowns for the Bills wide receiver. Uh, Let's not forget what kind of game he had. Coming into this weekend, Andy, I felt like this game should have been the Super Bowl, and now I just wish it was. No Super Bowl is going to beat this. Probably not. Um, Gabriel Davis is a guy that I'm not sure why it took Buffalo so long to give him a focal role. He is very talented, as everybody saw today. And he was doing that down the stretch, too. I mean, he was helping uh, fantasy teams that needed help late in the season and everything. And, you know, the one thing that I mean, I will say about Buffalo's offense that's kind of become curious this year is last year, Stephon Diggs was such a huge part of it, and he's kind of been marginalized this year. I mean, some of that is the Bills have done a very good job finding playmakers uh, outside of Diggs. I mean, Dawson Knox has had some drops this year, but he's been very good at tight end, and obviously Davis and Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, when you throw in you know Diggs and, and uh, veterans like Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders, you have no shortage of weapons, but it just seems like... Diggs was really a superstar last year, and this year 
he hasn't quite been at that level, and I don't really think it's necessarily anybody's fault. It's just something I think is interesting within the overall structure of the offense. But, yeah, Gabriel Davis, he is a heck of a player. Do the Bengals have any shot against the Chiefs next week? I think Kansas City's going to win that one comfortably. You know, Cincinnati is playing with house money, of course, but going Arrowhead, uh, that's going to be really tough. And at some point, the Bengals still kind of feel like a very nice story, but oftentimes in NFL lore and history, the nice stories end up coming up short of the Super Bowl. I just think with the experience of the Chiefs, they're playing obviously a vastly superior quarterback this week. I mean, maybe Cincinnati could win it if it turns into a shootout like it did uh, this week, but I, I would definitely say the Chiefs are pretty strong favorites. How do you look at this Rams and 49ers game? A cool sort of old-school division opponent rivalry, and it's going to be interesting because, you know, the Rams, they're the probably the, the odds-on favorite, but the 49ers have a really good coaching staff, and they've they've been here and done that before in the last couple of years. Well, the question you have to ask is, is I mean, San Francisco has beaten Los Angeles six times in a row. Uh, are the Rams due to finally break that streak, or will the Rams regret uh, not knocking the 49ers out when they had the chance? Because in Week 18, of course, the Rams had the 49ers on the ropes and lost, and had Los Angeles won. San Francisco wouldn't have even been in the playoffs. The Rams would have been hosting the Saints. And then, you know, they weren't going to lose to the Saints, who would have been starting Trevor Simeon at quarterback. Then they actually would have been hosting Tampa Bay in this second round. So we had the same matchup uh, we were probably going to have anyways. But back in 2010, the last game of the regular season, Chicago was playing Green Bay. And that was when the Bears were actually at the top of the NFC. Green Bay had to win that game to get in. And Chicago did not play all out and everything. And then, of course, when you get to the NFC Championship game, Green Bay goes into Chicago and wins. That's that game where Jay Cutler got hurt and Caleb Haney was quarterbacking Chicago. That was, ironically, Aaron Rodgers' one Super Bowl win season. So that's the question. I mean, I would probably pick the Rams to win. But then again, I mean, San Francisco is more than capable of winning. Nobody thought they were going to beat da Well, some people thought they were going to beat Dallas, but nobody thought they were going to beat Green Bay and they've done it. So if they can crank up that running game, uh, they're going to be tough to beat. You and I, not exactly Rams fans, because I don't like the LA fans in general, the LA sports fans, and you don't particularly like the Rams owner. But let me just say this, and I don't know if you agree or disagree. Matt Stafford has had a really good career and deserves a shot to play in a game that could lead to a Super Bowl for him. And, you know, for his sake, that that was my biggest takeaway from the game on Sunday was just, you know, Matt Stafford deserves finally getting that shot. And I'm tired of seeing Tom Brady all the time. And, you know, it was just nice seeing somebody that, you know, has, has just hadn't had the shot that everybody else had. I don't know if there's really anything. Is there anything to hate about Matt Stafford? No, I mean, other than the fact that obviously I'm not going to be rooting for the Rams to win the game. But I mean, you know, I obviously will tip my hat to Stafford. I mean, he's obviously been a good quarterback throughout his career. And, you know, now he's finally found a good situation that he can thrive in. He's definitely, you know, done everything that they've expected of him and more. He's had some games this year where he's been a bit erratic and 
had some turnovers, but I mean, the end result, he's had a really good year overall, and they're one step away from hosting the Super Bowl in that stadium. I feel like I'm putting this on a tee for you, but have you seen a better division playoff weekend or a better playoff weekend in the NFL's history? You would be hard-pressed to find another weekend that would be as good as this one. I would have to probably do some some serious thinking about that. I mean, you can certainly spotlight weekends in the past where there were some amazing games, but you know, all of these games came down to the wire this week, and I'd be hard-pressed to think of another weekend that had uh, as many thrillers as this one. And, of course, I mean, the Buffalo-Kansas City game, you could put that game up against any game in playoff history. Well, I can tell you, as a Texans fan that's, you know, really having a hard time being enthused about the NFL when your team is this much of a disaster the way it's been the last couple of years, it, it, it was refreshing to see something that got me back uh, interested in the NFL as much as I was this weekend and to have as much fun watching the games as I did and uh, just was always thinking about you, Andy, because I, I know you love this type of stuff. And and this is uh, your your Christmas every every year with the NFL playoffs. And it's always great to catch up with you, brother. Yeah, good catching up with you as well. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.